Welcome to the show, Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max. We have a hip hop legend in the building here on the airwaves who goes by the name of DJ Yella, the founding member of NWA. Yella, how are you doing tonight? Uh, pretty good. Doing pretty well? How's it out there in LA? Oh, uh, just a little hot. A little hot. <laughs> just a little hot. The COVID cases are all down there, not as much anymore. Uh, they opened up, so I guess it's kind of down. You know, maybe a new strand is trying to start or something. So, but I still wear my mask, so I'm I'm good. Yeah, you got to keep the mask on. It's important. But man, NWA, one of the greatest hip hop groups of all time, without a doubt. Let's take it back to the beginning because you started out as a DJ in the, in the club scene. It wasn't even just about the music; it was more as a DJ. Oh yeah, I mean, I started. DJing way a couple of years, two or three years before Dre even was thought of, like or came around rather. And yeah, I was a club DJ every Friday and Saturday, sometimes on Sunday. So th- that was the fun time for me was DJing. Cause DJing was just, you know, back then, you know, the DJs had to use the microphone. Mm-hmm. You had to say something on the microphone. You couldn't just Scratching, scratching, because there wasn't no scratching, really, when I started. How do you feel about how DJing has changed over time, especially in this day and age, whereas the DJs aren't as highlighted anymore? It seems as though the hip-hop culture's kind of pushed them out in a way, especially in this mainstream era where everything is all trap beats, and you don't get the scratches that you used to do in the old records. I mean, I guess it's just because it's just a different sound, different style. You know, DJs, you know, they got to open their mouth. You know, most of these club DJs or the big DJs, they don't talk much. No. You know, they're just mixing music. You know, you got to talk. You got to rock the house like Grandmaster Flash and all the old crews and stuff. You know, you, DJs was the one that rocked the house. That's what kept the party going with the DJ. That's how it originally started. That's how hip-hop started, at least in the West Coast it did. You met Dr. Dre while performing in the clubs and DJing, actually, and eventually formed the world class wrecking crew. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was a, like the top DJ at the time in LA at this club called Eve After Dark, and I remember meeting this tall, thin, skinny, you know, young guy, you know, and we wound up being great friends and stuff, you know. DJ man, we DJ for a while, as you know in the club together before, you know, music was even thought of. And after that group, you went on the form MWA and the posse. Now, how did this all come together? NWA at this point, after the world-class wrecking crew? Well, it came together really because me and Dre wasn't making no money in the wrecking crew. So I went out and got a little job and Dre ended up, um, forming, you know, kind of put the group, the group came together as like a, a superstar group, mm-hmm. group from different, people from different groups was put together. You know, Arabian was around in the early days. He was, you know, he was his own solo artist. Then he brought me in and Q was a, from another little group called CIA. That was a, like all spin of, of the Wrecking Crew. And it just all, he just put it all together. And we just ended up making the one group. 
And Easy E already knew Dr. Dre because they were from the same neighborhood. And then eventually that's when he was able to do the Boys in the Hood record when he started showing up to the studio sessions. And what's funny is that Ice Cube wrote the record, but he didn't rap it. It was Easy E. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't rap it. I mean, because it was it was really rigidly meant for these guys from New York. That's what the song was for. But they thought HBO, I think. Or it, yeah, HBO. Yeah, it wasn't their style or whatever. It, you know, whatever their reason was. So you know, Dre ended up convincing E to do the rap. But E had the voice. He wasn't a rapper. No way near a rapper. So he, he had the voice. Though. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, it took a long time to make that one record, you know, recording-wise, but it's the sound of his voice that did it. And Cube had the words already, you know, great words, and, and, and that, was the, that was the snowball right there. That's how I got started. That's how it got started. Straight Outta Compton comes about one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time, top five, in my opinion. My introduction to you guys... It was funny because I discovered a lot of the hip-hop that I listened to through the internet. The first NWA song that I ever heard was A Bitch is a Bitch, and I listened to that when I was in middle school, and I was like, whoa, what is this? And then eventually that led me to buying the first copy of Straight Outta Compton from my local Best Buy, but that was that was one hell of an introduction into my listening to NWA. Wow. <laughs> we, did a, we did a couple of uh, like maxi singles where you know, a few songs on it back then, and then, yeah, and then the album. Because we only did two albums. Yeah. You know, people think we did a whole bunch. There's only two albums. The NWA and the Posse is just a compilation that Priority put together and made it into, like, it was an album. It was in between our albums that they made it like that. But, yeah, we only did two albums. That was it. You know, it was short. It wasn't long. But it was a, such an impact that's still going on to this day, which is amazing. A hundred miles and running the EP as well. You had that. Oh yeah, that was just like you know, just um, something in between. Well, it was actually we were supposed to have been doing somebody, you know, Eve was been doing another album. We did Eve's first album. Easy and we does did it. NWA. And then we were supposed to go back to Easy So somehow we never get back to this album. You know, Cube left, and then the 100 Miles of Running EP came, and then we did the last album. The last album started off to be E's album, but we just couldn't even get him in the studio to record right. So it just turned out to be an NWA album. And it was fire, of course. You got to tell me the story behind the, the album cover for Straight Outta Compton. It's one of the most recognizable oh, that, album covers of all time. Yeah, that was a, like a, that wasn't planned. That was just, it's so funny. There was only like a few shots of that photo taken. There was only a shoot, a few shots. The guy laid on the ground and we all bent over and took the picture. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the album cover. The album cover was another picture of us in the alley or something. But I remember seeing that photo laying around. I remember going up to Priority and seeing that photo. And I said, wow, that would make a nice album cover. Mm. But, you know, that, I just kind of mentioned it. I, and, and that was it. And then that, and then later on, it was that, it was an album cover picture. Because it was only like maybe five or six shots of that one shot. That was all. Wow. 
That's iconic. And is that, it, do you think that the album, it's going to be iconic because of the sound, but you think it still would have had the impact with a different picture? That's hard to say. It's, it's, I don't know. That, cause that picture is so it's different. Yeah. It's and monumental. It's so different and unique. So I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, because the music did it, but the picture also, you know, also helped. But I think it was more the music, but that was a just a, a, a nice photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic one at that. And speaking of other album cover photos for the NWA and the Posse, you weren't on that one because you were sick that day, and that was the only album cover shoot that you were ever sick for. Yeah, yeah that's the only, it's funny, that's the only one I missed. I happened to be Sick from food poisoning or something, and and I remember when they did they 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 did the picture. Then I missed it, and then when I got well a few days later, we end up taking another photo. But she wasn't there. I think she went back to school or something. And that was the first real NWA photo. Was the four of us on a like a a photo shoot, mm-hmm. you know, like the uh, promo pictures and stuff. Fire, yeah. The NWA and the Posse is a classic album. It's even though it's a, it's more of just tracks put together, but people still remember yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. The second album yeah, was yeah, it, it was know, great I'm too. Not on the cover. <laughs> yeah, even though you're not on the cover, but the second album from NWA was great as well. Always in the something was on that. You have you have some classics on there. I think people overlook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to us, we grew up in production on that one. There was samples we didn't sample like the first one. The more musicians and, and you know, live instruments and drums. Because I played drums on every album. Mm-hmm. Including the DLC album and Easy's album. But we grew up in production. And it's, to me, the second album sounds better than the first one. Mm-hmm. But the first one just was the album. Appetite for Destruction, it's that's just, another iconic one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It just, I mean, the production, everything was much better on the second album. Way better. But the first one was just original. You know, it's hard to top the original. Yeah, it's it's kind of similar to Nas's Illmatic, what it was written. To, to me, it was written sounds better, but Illmatic's always going to get the, the claim and mm-hmm. the praise. Oh, yeah. Easy does it. That's Easy es introduction with his solo career. And, man, how to feel to be part of that, looking back at that album? Because that's a classic. Easy does it. Nobody move. Nobody get hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if you look at that cover, that was an NWA cover. Mm-hmm. That was a pre-NWA cover right there. See, the thing was, I don't know if it was Dre or E or somebody came up with, we was one group, but... Let's just make it two different groups. EVE as a group, and then NWA is still the same people, same producers, same writers. It's just, we can make more money that way, you know, by splitting it up. It actually came out better that way. Because EVE, I like the first, I like his album. That was a ahead of his, his time album. It was, it was, it was, I like that album. It's classic. I really like that. Yeah, one eighty-seven of killer. No, it doesn't. And one eighty-seven of killer was another great one. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. See, I did. Yeah, I did it. You know, the disc one. So he knew not to mess with me with no disc song. Like, I that wasn't me. <laughs> I have nothing against Trey. I have have nothing against you. So he knew that's why I wasn't in the video. You know, none of that. You know, even though I put the EP together and made a couple of songs for it, but you know, I don't, I don't that disc stuff. I I wasn't in. No, is that your, those? They're both your partners, even though you guys weren't working together at the time together. Mm -hmm. I want to know what your reaction was when you heard Easy going at Dr. Dre when with the whole lipstick thing, and eventually he used that cover from when you guys were in the group. That picture when Dr. Dre yeah. was in your original group <laughs> with the lipstick. You know, I was like, I was like, uh, hello, I'm in that group too, man. You know, it's just I didn't really get into that. I just didn't. I just like, eh, I, I didn't. I never have commented about nothing. I, I just like, I leave grown folks to what they're doing. I stay out of grown folks' business. I don't, I just, because I had nothing against both of them. Mm -hmm. I like them both. You know, they're my buddies. So I just stayed away from it. I stayed out of it. You know, I just, uh -uh, yeah, I didn't, because I was in the group. So I just, I couldn't do nothing about that one. How truthful is the Straight Outta Compton movie as far as the true NWA story? Is it pretty truthful? Um, I would say about 70%. You know, because they try to put so much into two hours. Two hours, two and a half hours or something. And a lot of things ended up being together in the movie that wasn't together in real life. You know, some of the stuff, you know, some of the stuff you had to make was Hollywood. You know, you had to put more exciting in it. To us, or to me, we wasn't that exciting. We just did music, you know. It wasn't no big thing. But for the movie, you know, you had to make it look more glamorous than what it really was. Like in the studios, it was just us. If they're not in there rapping, me and Dre is in the studio. Or the musician, or have a musician, guitar player, whatever. So it wasn't like to hang out with girls in the studio. Not really. Not not in them days. Not really. Your manager, ex-manager, who did have, to have his time with NWA as well as Eazy-E, Jerry Eller, when did you start seeing him come around? Because this is a guy that had experience in managing artists back in the 60s and 70s. Well, I mean, that's why he, you know, originally got it because he you know he knew his stuff back then he had he managed some pretty big groups mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken some pretty big stuff i think sticks was but, one of you them know, yeah the thing about it is you know I'm trying to say something nice <laughs> it's just young kids that don't know nothing about publishing producer credit this writer you know, so many parts to a song that we didn't know, and people just took advantage of it. You know, you're getting 20% of the group, but you're also getting 20% of the label. So that's, is it crooked, or is it kind of dirty? You know, it's just, it's just, it's, <laughs> that's a hard subject right there. But, you know, we were taking advantage of it. So yeah. we were young and dumb. That's what we were. We didn't know. We didn't know no better at all. 
Now, when Ice Cube came to you guys and he was telling you th- there's something wrong with the, the contracts, were you guys just st- still oblivious to it? And which that's pretty much why Ice Cube well, left the group. I don't remember that happening. Mm-hmm. I remember being on the road and they had contracts. See, the thing was, contract, you know, we had already did albums, singles, whatever we did, we did all that without contracts. We had already done that. See, that's just us being young, dumb, and naive. So by the time they came with contracts, you know, a, a big old check here for 75000 you know, I remember picking up my contract, turning it over, and just signing it. And then we looked at what was in it. Not saying there was anything crooked in it, but it just, we, you know, we all should have had separate uh, lawyers, separate managers, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. We all should have had our own stuff, not one guy looking over both sides, from the record side and the group side. So, you know, and the one thing about it, we didn't talk about that. Even to this day, we haven't talked about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, whoever, whatever happened on him, I don't know, you know. Once the tour was over, that was the last time I saw him for years. Wow. You know, it wasn't no talk about it, nothing. We never discussed it, nothing at all. It just happened. He left. You know, the thing about it, the group wasn't never mad at each other. It's always outsiders that's looking inside what they can get or who they can pick on or who they can use, whatever it is. But it was not the group that broke up the group. It was the outsiders, always. And I don't mention no names about outsiders. (laughs) (laughs) Was Suge Knight really coming around and hanging out with you guys at these concerts that you were putting on? Uh, I don't. I don't even mention that person's name. I don't even. I mean, I don't even answer questions about them. They just. That's just me. You know, I, I have to stay out of grown folks' business. Yeah. <laughs> I just stay out. <laughs> because when you see the movie and you read things, when he was trying to recruit Dre mm-hmm. to Death Row Records, I just was just curious to see maybe if you saw anything going on where you, you guys were talking I on mean, your if own. I saw anything. If I saw anything, I'll never tell. Because mm-hmm. it's not my business. Yeah. So, as I just like, eh, you know, hey, I got to worry about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you did. And that's important. And you, you know, you guys kept putting the classic tracks together. Fuck the Police. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the most important classic tracks in hip hop history. The song was based upon yeah. police brutality. When you look mm-hmm. at the movie, you guys were outside the studio, standing on the sidewalk, minding your own business. Was the how truthful was the movie to this making of the song? Was it that the cops came up to well, you when you were on the street corner? I mean, we have got Jack in front of the the studio before because mm-hmm. we was in a city called Torrance, where we, which is our color, don't hang out at night in Torrance, mm-hmm. even to this day, you know. But we had got Jack maybe once. I don't know if it was once or twice. I mean, the movie made it look like it just happened right then and went in and put us off. Nah. But we had been standing in front of the studio and the police pull up and, you know, get on the car and all this stuff. That happened. The song was, the song, we didn't create the song. The song was, that song was made years ago. 
you know, we just exposed it. We just we just had enough heart or enough something where we just talked about it. Most people wanted to say that about the police. A lot of people had. Half the police, you know, and all that stuff. We just was bold enough to do it. You know, we weren't doing it as trying to be a hit or trying to be trying to, you know, make everybody like, you know, we just did the song because that's how we felt. Because in the ghetto, that's how it was. You know, police treat you bad. And it's amazing that that song, we made that song 30 years ago. And and it was like the hottest thing planned and the George Floyd and all this stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. That song came back around, which is like unheard of. It's amazing. Like it was brand new again. It's just crazy. That's what happens. I think that's the song that everyone runs to once there's a police brutality incident. And I think they they should, in all due respect, because that's you gotta be blatant about it sometimes and just say what it is. Say the lyrics in the song. How come there's not as many artists you think today that are as outspoken in that way? Do you think that they're afraid of losing fans, losing out on money? How come they're not as bold as you guys were back in the eighties to drop an F the police? Well, you know, think about it. I see had Top Killer. That's right. So Public Enemy was very political. Yes. We mm-hmm. wasn't political. But I think, I don't, I really don't know, but it's a different era now. These new millennials are totally different. <laughs> <laughs> and their music is horrible. Time... <laughs> I didn't say that. No, I did. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's just a different era, a different time. I mean, they don't, I guess there's other issues, more bigger issues. I don't know why, you know, people don't talk about it. You know, I guess the movie had to come out and talk about it all over again. You know, but it's just, it's just a new, it's just totally different. Music completely, not just that song, but just music completely is just way different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and think about this. Back then, you knew, if you hear a song, you knew what group it came from. That's right. Every group had its own sound. Every group. I don't care if you go from Public Enemy, LL, whoever you go to, Run DMC, Beastie Boys, whoever, everybody had their own sound. Everybody had their own sound. But nowadays, there's so many groups. There's almost more groups than fans to listen to the group. Mm -hmm. So they just, so they got to talk about whatever... They say, you know, the people, you know, money and this and that, and you know, it's a totally different world now. It, it, it's totally different. Is there any artists that impress you out there? Nowadays artists? Mm-hmm. Kendrick, you know, I like Kendrick. Um, I always like Snoop. You know, Snoop is more of a style. Mm-hmm. style. Um, I just don't, I, I'm not really into rap no more. I really don't listen to rap too much. It's just a whole new kind of music now. <laughs> I ain't into all this. You know, I, I can't understand what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, I know I know exactly what you're saying. It's all trap music now. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm not a fan of it's it. Just, 
being 22 years old, yeah. I'm not. It just doesn't appeal to me. I go mm-hmm. back and I listen to what you did and all these other legends did in the game, and I don't see how the youth mm-hmm. and the millennials don't attract this music because it's just better. Yeah. Yeah, because but now, you know, back in them days, a rapper had to have something to be a rapper. Nowadays, anybody's a rapper. Everybody's a rapper, mm. whether they good or not. Everybody's a rapper. Back then, if you wasn't good, you would make it. You couldn't make it back then. But now, it's just so many people, and everybody, you know, everybody got YouTube. Everybody, you know, it's a different world. It's just totally different now. Yeah, it is. And that's why we have our old records that we can get and listen to on Apple Music and any other platform out there, such as Shred Out of Compton and all the NWA classics and easy solo albums. But when we just bring up Easy E because you knew him very well, people don't give him the credit that is due, in my opinion, as a rapper because you hear the ghostwriting rumors and because Q wrote songs for you guys. Do you feel as though that he is discredited as a rapper? Um, maybe, maybe, um, I don't know if it's discredited or, I mean, because, you know, you got Tupac. And you got Biggie and E. Them were all three of the pioneers mm-hmm. of that kind of style, solo style, and stuff like that. They were pioneers, and E was there, but just Tupac and them, they pushed more after his death, you know, more on, you know, getting him out there, more songs. He did more songs. E, no, E didn't write his, write his rap. No, you know, people wrote for him, mostly DLC, Hughes. Ren, Ren wrote a lot of his stuff, and he was he wasn't a natural rapper, mm. but his sound and his style was it. That was it. That's what made him to me. And he can hang right with all of them, but as far as battle rapper, nah, nah, he, he wasn't that kind of rapper, not at all. But he had the look and the sound. And the voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely had the voice. And you did some production work on him for his last album, his last studio album. Mm-hmm. Straight off the motherfucking streets of Compton. Yeah, I did. I actually, I did the last album, you know, eight of the tracks, maybe seven or eight or something. And I also had the album, too, after he died. Wow. So I had the album just sitting in the studio. I never even thought about that album at all until they people started to run it. I said, "Oh, I got an album. There's albums in there." Until they start, you know, they wanted the the, the record company game, you know, after he died in the court. The courts came to me about the album. You know, I was like, "Oh, I forgot all about it." Yeah, I forgot I produced quite a few of the songs on there, and that and that that went gold. I thought it was gonna go platinum, but it just went gold. That one did good for him. I mean, it was, it, it was just his style was just so different. Especially in the beginning when everybody thought he was like 16 or something. People thought he was like 15 or something. And it just was just eating him, eating it up. Oh, he's only 15 and he can rap like, you know, and the thing about it in the words, he just was, he said the words, not sugar coating it. He talked about real stuff, not, 
you know, going to Disneyland and this and that. And he talked about what he knew was the street of Compton. And it was fun. It was, it was fun. It took a while to work on this album. So, you know, we did a song here, a song there. And I think I did the last song, like, late 94. Mm. Like, three months before he died. I think that was about the last song I did. I think it might have been him and Ren did it. That album has some some of my favorites. That's my personal favorite Easy E album. Old school shit. Really? Sorry, Louie. Really? Mm-hmm. Sipping on a forty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I forgot all about them. That's my personal favorite one. Classics. In, in my opinion, I think that's everyone would say Easy Does It is the is the classic album, but my favorite is Straight Off the Sheets and Motherfucking Compton. <laughs> wow, that's the first time I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> and I thank you for you. Thank you for it. <laughs> oh no, you did your you did your work on there for the production too. You did your thing on that. <laughs> you had BG Knockout and Gangsta Dressed on there. When did they come into the scene and when Easy E found them? I've never heard the story and him discovering them because they were their own duo and they had success as well. I I don't know where they came from. When they came it just it was after, definitely after Dre left. Mm-hmm. To me, once Dre left and then the group ended, Ruthless was really, that was the end of Ruthless. Until Bone came around. The Bone kind of slipped in right off of us, you know, from us. That was more like the original um, Ruthless. When BG and all that came, that was more new the new artists and stuff like that. And it's just, I mean, they, you know, I like BG style and stuff. Yeah, that's why I use them quite a bit. I like his style. Nice voice, nice delivery, you know. And they, and they had a sister, too, because both of them was brothers, and then they had a sister, too. That's right, because she was featured on old school shit. Yeah. She had a nice, he could, she could he rap. Could <laughs> yeah, he was tough. But by the time I tried to get to working with her, or just, that's when Ruthless, you know, when everything when it was over, it was done. Can't forget about Creep and Crawl because you sampled Scarface on that. Did I? I don't know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't forgot. It's been so long. Wow. Creeping crawl, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And we ain't even got the bone thug. No. That was another like us right there. It went definitely that was like us. It was I mean, it was just like It was. When did you see them for the first time? Because E Z did the work with them. Um, we were doing a show in Cleveland. And I remember meeting these guys. They walked into the, they came into the dressing room. I see these guys, and then they started rapping. I guess singing, rapping, whatever. That was like, okay. You know, I'm just, not, you know, just saying, okay, you know, like, all right, all right, all right. Five guys singing, rapping, whatever they doing. And then I told E, hey, you ought to check these guys out. And I left. And then by the time we got back off the road, they was there in L.A. He had 
fit for them. And then they did their, you know, working on their single. Then I worked on the For the Love and Money single. And I think I did their intro to a couple songs and stuff. But they was, they were very different. They were like a neat. That's how groups last, you know, because they're very different from everybody. They didn't sound like nobody. They were, they had a, their own style, own kind of style. The end of this straight out of Compton movie, we do know that you guys were going to get back together. Did you guys ever have a chance where you did link up in the studio all together? Where I believe, if you listen in the movie, because Ren is in there, mm-hmm. you're in there, and Easy E's in the studio, you guys are getting ready to make a track. Was there ever a time when Ice Cube and Dr. Dre were really on their way to record with you guys before things turned for the worst? No, no. Well, when we was in the studio, like I was saying, that was like the last song me, him, and Ren made. I forgot the name of the song, but it was one of the songs that Ren is on his on his album, you know, on his album. We was in the studio there, but it was never, it was never, oh, we're going to meet on this day. It never got to that point. Mm-hmm. But I think he had just seen Q in New York or something. They talked. And I think he talked with Dre on the phone. To me, that was it. There was nothing after that. That was all it was. So it was never, it never got to that point that we might do something together. Because it wasn't meant to happen. The the first part, doing the straight out of conference, all that, that was what was supposed to have been. Just that. Not another one. Because I think if we were to try to come out with something else after them two albums, I don't think it would have been it would have been like the impact of the movie and reissuing all that stuff again so it wasn't meant for us to do another album I don't know why but it just was not meant for that with Fuck the Police too you see in the movies and we've, we've heard the stories they were really shutting down your concerts for this song they did not want you to no, play this no, no. really that's we none of our concerts was never shut down, except the Detroit show. That kind of happened. It wasn't exactly like that. Yeah, the, the police ran us off the stage by throwing fireworks in the um, in the audience and you know making everybody go crazy. Yeah, we ran off the stage, but we never got arrested. We all ran. We had ran to the hotel different ways. We had to get on the bus and go over to Canada. So, you know, Detroit is right next near the border. That's right. And then the, they caught us in the elevator leaving. We walked in the elevator. All of us had our bags and stuff. And these two or three guys in there was kind of facing the wall. As soon as the door closed, that's when they turned around and flashed their badge. So we never got arrested. All we did was got a, 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 a ticket. Some kind of little fine or something. It was funny. I was like, we went through all this to give us a ticket, a fifty dollar ticket or something. <laughs> they end up getting autographs and stuff like that. So I, it, it, the movie just you know added more to make it look more exciting. What was, but yeah, we didn't get arrested or none of that stuff. Wow, a ticket, a ticket for freedom of speech, which is supposed to be one of the main amendments. 
insane. It's just unbelievable. NWA, the name, oh, yeah. the name actually is simpler than people think. Someone just came up with the mm-hmm. name NWA, and eventually Dre put the words down to it. But you wouldn't say to people what it actually meant because it was so bold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, like, you know, because it wasn't, it was, uh, you know, I would say the other color accent. You know, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, we just wouldn't, like, uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of changed a negative word, not into a positive word, but we kind of took the thing out of, the N word, well, you know what? I've never been called that. What you know, we were called during the sixties and seventies or whenever fifties, seventies, you know, whenever. So we kind of took the sting out of it and made it into an everyday word, like homeboy. Uh, what's up, homie? That's how we turn that word into it. It ain't positive, but it's not negative. Mm. So we kind of cleaned the word up that we didn't invent. You know, it was put on us all these years. Are you surprised ever when you look back on your time with all the work that you did with NWA that it turned out to be this iconic group? These are days you just can't believe, like, wow, NWA, we really blew up like this and we're icons, eventually going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, to me, during the NWA days, we didn't feel like no stars or no, like we were somebody. To me, when me and Dre was doing the record crew, DJing, that's when we felt like stars. But it's just amazing that we made stuff that seemed like it lasts forever. You know, just like, wow, we did all that. You know, like, so we didn't, we didn't make records to go gold and platinum. We never thought of that. We were just making records to make some money. You know, little money or something, but but we never thought of wow, we're gonna be platinum, triple platinum, double platinum, you know, whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. the thing about it, ruthless, everything we were putting out was turning gold, turning platinum. I mean, everything. It's just like wow, and then the Hall of Fame that just like topped it off, and then the movie, you know, was the number one biopic, you know. Not black biopic, but biopic, period. And that's just like, wow, we did all that. You know, it still shocks me sometimes. I even forget sometimes we made it to the Hall of Fame. You know, I just, <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> and how was that night for you when you guys were on stage accepting that award at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? When I took that selfie picture on the stage after we got, you know, got the award and stuff and I took that for that one split second there was no manager there was no nothing it was just us in the picture mm-hmm. and it felt like the old days for that split second and you, and you can look at the picture and see the smiles in our face there was genuine natural smiles there was no nothing it was just us so that's we haven't been in that situation in what twenty five years. Mm-hmm. That's the first picture we took like that in at least twenty five years. <laughs> <laughs> Us together. It was a rare moment. It was so wonderful, but it was only a split second. That's all it was. 
Have you guys gotten back together since then at all for any special events now, or occasions? Me, yeah, now me, Ren, and Q, we did after the movie and after the Hall of Fame, we did like 10 shows. Oh, wow. We did Coachella. We even, we did Coachella two weekends in a row. And on the second weekend, all of us got together. Dre came to the last show of the Coachella. So that was the first time the group been on stage together performing in 30 years. You know, that was amazing. I thought there might have been a chance for a reunion tour or something. But you never know. It may happen one day, maybe not. But for that split second at Coachella, it was like the old days, 1989. The old days, the old classic days. 100%. When we look yeah. back at the Rock and Roll Hall yeah. of Fame, we've seen the criticism that rappers have gotten since from rock stars such as Gene Simmons. He's not big on allowing rappers into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What's your take on that? Because you are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How do you feel about when these rock stars are criticizing the rappers that are in the Hall of Fame? I mean, they still are music. They still, you know, not literally NWA music, but they've been spilling our music it's the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, music is one thing that has no color. Music has no color. Everybody can like it, whether it's country, reggae, rock, metal, rap, whatever it is. Music has no color. That's one thing that is just that's pure. Music is pure. And these, you know, I guess because it says rock and roll, all the thing. But the thing is, there's groups that made impact over music, period. You know, there's only five rap groups in there. Only five. DC Boys, Us, Run Them, She Ran Out the Flash, and Public Enemy. That's it. They, no more. I think they did Tupac, didn't they? Maybe. Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah, I think he got, yeah, so it's six now, but I don't know. You know, yeah, it's not rock and roll, but them groups made big impact in the world of music. Agreed. They didn't. You guys belong in there. A hundred percent. What you guys did for music and transcending and I think opening people's eyes to what was going on in the world. That's something that you guys did is that you rapped about what you saw Mm -hmm. and what you were experiencing in their daily lives. I mean, we rapped out when we opened our door when we was in the Compton and in the ghetto. That's what we saw. We rapped about just what we saw. We didn't see no Disneyland. No. No Rolls Royces. No. We didn't see all that. We seen what was on them songs. That's all we knew. That's all we knew. That's why people could relate to it. Because ghettos is everywhere. Compton, there's a, there's a Compton everywhere. All the cities, the ghettos, they, you know, all the ghetto cities. They, they were the same thing. When they open their front door, the same thing going on outside. Drugs, this, that, killing, whatever it is, police brutality, whatever it is. So we just wrote about what we saw. The underground reporters, street reporters. That's what we were. Do you think that even today that the... Maybe the I would say the white elitists or the white supremacists, people that have charge in the music industry, 
have kind of infiltrated in a way that they want the music dumbed down because they don't want you speaking the truth as much because we don't have groups like NWA anymore. Because I feel as though they may have put a hold on it and some artists don't speak out. That may be another reason why. Um, well, a lot of people are putting out their own stuff now. Mm. So they more freely to say what they want, but then for some reason they're just not saying it or staying away from it. it may, they might think it may hurt themselves. Like you said earlier, you don't know. You know, there's always somebody controlling something. Always. But now, the way music is now, you know, back then, you had to go through companies, and, you know, you had to go through really big companies to, to make it back then. Independence didn't make it. It was hard. We were independent, but it was, you know, we haven't have a good distributor priority and stuff like that. But nowadays, everybody's getting more independent now. They can just make a song, post it right quick, and it's on. They have more power now, but I guess they're just not using it. They got other things to talk about. Their shoes and their cars and whatever they're talking about. (laughs) I think social media has played a big part in it, too, why hip-hop isn't as great as it once was. I think it's just getting saturated a lot. Because Mm. think about it. They they, they gave our hip-hop, we ourselves, producing for everybody, you know, gave it to the Nelson, country music, rock music, heavy metal, you know, it's all over. Hip-hop is all over now. But hip-hop is bigger than what it was. Way bigger than what it was. It's just that the faces of hip-hop are not our faces that it used to be. You know, now it's everybody got hip-hop Britney Spears, the big, you know, the big major artists and stuff. All of them got hip-hop. Listen to their songs. It's all got our funky beat, which is our beat. We gave it away. Now we can't get it back. So they, everybody took it and ran with it now. We gave it away. We always give away. (laughs) And then when you're supposed to be elected in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you can't. We can use your music, but you can't be in the Hall of Fame with us. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we had it. We had the music, hip hop. Now, but hip hop is big. It's huge now. Because mm. everybody, you know, everybody's doing People, you wouldn't even say, like, they sagging, they sagging, you know. It's like, wow, they sagging? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they get, you know, our, our music is everywhere now. Even it's, look at it artists. Is, it's way bigger than what it used to be. Oh, it, it is. It's it's surprising to me because yeah, hip hop was supposed to die out. Hip hop wasn't supposed to last as long. It was not supposed to last as long, but it did. It survived. Now it then crossed over, and it it ain't gonna never stop now. Never mm. gonna stop. No, but I do hope that the new sound of hip hop stops and we get back to rappers actually being creative again. I do hope that. Yeah, I mean, somebody just, you know, some new artist or something or some old artist will have to come back into, like, the original ways and stuff. Try to change it, you know, change it back. Right now, it's in, not even on left field or right field. It's, I don't know where it is now. But it, it's, music comes back. It comes back. It will come back. 
the more simpler, more funkier, more whatever it is, but you know, it, it's going to come back. It also has to do a lot with sampling and you would know this being a producer and a DJ is that it costs mm-hmm. so much to get the samples cleared. I think that's why hip hop isn't as creative anymore. Oh yeah. I mean, cause we was supposed to kid for sampling. So we sampled and then they put the hammer on us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we sampled, Hey, we use it. You know, we got the ax and all this. Uh, yeah. It's, so they don't realize that you're making money off of these people using the sample. Why not? But they don't got greedy now and stuff. So the creativity is gone. It's no creativity now. No. It's it's rare to find those creative artists out there. You mentioned Kendrick Lamar before. He's creative to Pimp a Butterfly. is probably one of the most creative albums ever in hip-hop, in my opinion, and, and plenty of others. What is the production work that you're most proud of throughout your career? I like for the love money mm. because I originally did that for another group in the earlier days, a group called Yomo and Marky. I did their album, but they got caught up in red tape and it never, it never caught on until a few years later when Bone came around and it, it was the same track. It's the same track. <laughs> and, and it, and it sold 10 million you know, <laughs> so man, I like that one, or I like the the easy easy does it stuff. JJ fast. Uh, I mean, we did did so much, yeah. And we were so hot at the time. I mean, we was like a young Motown, a young Motown. Cause Motown, you know, had hit everything they put out was hit, mm-hmm. and that's how ruthless was. That's how it was. You look back at the history. You haven't worked with Dr. Dre on music in years. Do you think that you guys could potentially, or do you think there will ever be a time when you two get back in the studio and create new music? Uh, I doubt it because I don't want to do music no more. Mm. I'm done. You're once, done with it? Once he died, <laughs> yeah. that was it. I was good. I'm like, ah, all right, I'll move on. It just, I just didn't have it no more. It's just like, ah, nah. I just don't have it for the music. You know, well, I'm, I may do something again. I don't know. But I have no interest in doing it. Especially nowadays, it's just too much. Yeah. It's, it's too much competition now. It's just, it's, nobody's separated from the pack. No. Everybody sounds the same. You sound like the same producer. You know, just the same little voice thing on your voice. It's the same stuff over and over. I'm just like, wow, do they know anything else? <laughs> <laughs> no i love this no i love that you're speaking the truth because it is and i think the legends should be more outspoken about it i feel as though that they don't speak out much about it and they i think they should because they're the ones that led the way i think they should definitely have their input on it i mean but let me correct it there's nothing wrong they making money at they are they making way more money than we make they're selling way more than we make but it's just Everybody sounds the same. Everybody, you know, there's no more groups anymore. Uh, is there a group? Is there any group? Can you name three groups? Migos. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It ain't very many. The day the group is gone, that's a done deal right there. 
I'm gonna. It's just too many. It's just too many artists. I'm, I'm going to name a group for you and you may have heard of it if you're tapped in because you said you're not really into hip hop as much anymore. Have you heard of the group Griselda? They're located in Buffalo, New York. If because if you're, you know, never you're, heard of. They're they they sound like that old school New York hip hop sound. They're keeping it oh, really? all the way authentic, uh-huh. yeah. That's that's rare. Yeah. I mean somebody's going to have a have a big hit either, like I said, a new person, a new artist, or an old artist. Somebody going to come out in uh, an old style and then hit, then it'll start changing all the sounds again. So right now, what's working, they're doing what's working, which is sounding the same. Sounding exactly the same. What's the most memorable studio moment in recording straight out of Compton? It could be from any song. Um, probably me playing the drums. Mm. Yeah, cause I, when I played the drums on that song, I haven't played drums in years. And I got in and, and played the drums that day without even warming up, nothing. I just got on the drums, got with the bass player and the guitar player, and we just played it. Wow. Oh, no, it was on Easy's album. But, but stay out of Compton, too. It's just playing the drums. It was just, it was fun. I had never played drums in the studio before. <laughs> that was different. That was fun. Legend. Or just being in the studio. Because that's what me and Dre did. We was always in the studio. You know, we in there doing the music. And then when the guys come in, everybody do their rap. You know, they didn't take songs home and do rap. They did the rap right in the studio. Most of them was wrote right in the studio. Mm-hmm. Everybody going their own little section in the corner to hear over here, you know, write their stuff. Legendary. Easy rest in peace. He was very close to you. I know that. As you mentioned before, we've heard you in other interviews say you just stopped doing music. You lost the motivation after he passed away. And he went from mm-hmm. someone you met for the first time because you said, who's this short guy? <laughs> All the way into <laughs> a, a close partner of yours, a rap icon, and then eventually, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, in the early '90s, passing away, and he he told you before, watch out for those girls, watch out for them girls. He was telling oh, yeah. you. He said, "Yeah, he said, watch, he said, watch yourself." Yeah, I didn't know what he was talking about at the time, but he said, "Watch yourself," you know, watch it. That's what he said, watch it. You know, I didn't know what he was saying until after he passed. I'm like, oh, that's what he was saying. Watch them girls. <laughs> mm. Deep down inside, you know him better than probably anyone knew him. At that fact, mm-hmm. what is your deep feeling inside? Do you think that he was he was diagnosed with what he was diagnosed with with AIDS? We know that. Do you feel as mm-hmm. though that he got it from being with women? Do you feel as though that was the cause? It got to be the cause to me. I mean, I have no you know no other reason. You know, of course, you know, with big money that stake, you never know what could happen. Anything could happen. Anything. I mean, he had it. Mm. You know, he's a little full-blown, kind of quick, you know. So, you know, I don't know. I never got into it. I just, yeah. I mean, when, even if somebody found, oh, this happened, this happened, he's still not going to come back. No. He ain't coming back no more. So, I mean... As far as I know, he caught it, 
and uh, that's it. You know, people say stuff. People, you know, I don't get into that. He say, she say, I don't do all that. Ain't my business. Yeah. But you know, it looked. I mean, you know, all I know is he caught it and died. That's it. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened, whatever comes out, what you can't go get him back. You can't bring him back. No, not at all. No, he made he made a big impact on hip hop for sure. His persona, his character, really? it, and I think that's why you guys wouldn't be able to get back together, is because Easy really was—he was the character. If you look at the group, he was yeah. the character for the group. I mean, that was the—you know—that was the look. That was him. Yeah, we can get back to do a tour or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, it's not bringing the whole group back, but it still—it still would be. People want to see it. People still want that reunion tour. They want that too. We had the one tour in 89. They want that again. I mean, all around the world want it. But, you know, may happen, may not happen. I have no idea. But you never know what the future is, what's in the future. You never know. Yeah, easy can't be there, but you can always do a hologram or maybe maybe one of the sons or something. You You never know. Yeah, it's such a shame. He's one of the greatest of all time. Rest in peace to him, as I said before. What is your most memorable moment or a story, Easy, that you will never forget? Being it could be being at the uh, studio with him, recording a song on tour. No, nah, I, I, I have quite a few. You have a quite. <laughs> you know, when he say, "Come ride with me," I hated that because you ride with him and then here, so far somewhere, I'll be right back, and you be sitting in the car two or three hours. I'm like. That all oh, that just burned me up. That used to burn me up. I didn't, I'm like, I ain't riding with you today. He just, it was fun. It was so much stuff. It was so much. I mean, in the studio, it take him all day to do his one verse. You know, I can sit here and name a thousand things. Yeah, it was just fun. He was, he was, he was a good friend. Great fun. We all was. Yeah. We was all like family. No argument, no nothing against nobody, nothing. It was not like what people think it is or something. The group was perfect together, perfect. It was just like a one-time thing, a very unique situation that we were. We were very blessed. We were the group was very blessed. So think about it. We 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 broke up at number one. Who breaks up at number one? Nobody. No one up does. No. One. They break up with a number one million. Yeah. <laughs> <At the> bottom. <laughs> Broke up at number one, and then no music for almost thirty years, and then a movie, and the the music come back like it's brand new again, like it's brand new all over. A whole new generation got their eyes opened by us. That's that's, that's just amazing. It's unheard of. <laughs> yeah. Then the movie comes out in 2015. I remember because I was listening to you guys back in middle school. I was in sixth grade. I was listening to Straight Out Comp. And then the movie comes out, and I'm like, oh, here's all the bandwagon fans now. But you have to look at it from a positive light. I was looking at it as a negative because I'm everyone else is listening yeah. to me. Goes all of a sudden, oh, I'm on the NWA bandwagon. But the movie opened up audiences' ears to it the opened, especially to the youth. You would not believe. 
you would not believe me. It opened eyes, opened doors around the world. I went, I started DJing after the movie came out to like a hundred different countries. Me DJing solo. I'm talking about Korea, Vietnam, Bali, Sri Lanka, Australia, all over Europe, all over England, Bahrain, Dubai. I mean, places I had never heard of. But everybody loves our music around the world. I mean, even if they could didn't talk like in China, they don't talk English. They know the songs when you play them. I did many shows in China. You can have a conversation with them, but if you play the song, they can sing that song. I mean, I mean, young and old. It, it's just you know now with the new you know now with the social media, it just NWA just like wow. Mm. <laughs> Not very many rap groups. Did that? No, I don't know any, but not very many. Yeah, no. worldwide. Yeah, worldwide and international with no Vaseline. Did you ever have a conversation with Ice Cube about no Vaseline, like years later, and just talked about it? Only conversation we had was right before we shot that scene in the movie. Mm -hmm. He called me the night before and said, "What did you guys think?" When the song, and I told him, there ain't saying nothing about it. It's <laughs> just like what my character did in there. He's like, he got us. That's what he did. That's what we. That's what we thought. He got us. You know, in that part, we wasn't sitting around listening to the song like that. You know, we all heard it at individual time, and, and I remember saying, he got us. That was it. <laughs> wasn't nothing. Wasn't no. Wasn't nothing else. That was the first conversation we talked about that song. The only time. Do you and think, put it, and it was in the scene the next day. Yeah. Do you think that the actor that played you in the movie played it to the T? Did he played it perfect. He he knew me like I didn't know me. He knew he knew the way I chew gum, the way I hold my hands, the way I take pictures. I mean, he studied me. He really I'm just like wow. He kind of looked like me. Well, he mm. looks like a slur or something. And I'm just like, wow. But Neil really played that role. He played, I mean, he was the funniest person in the movie. Yeah, he was. He, was <laughs> <laughs> he brought the comedic relief. I mean, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he played He, he played me to a T. I mean, really played me to a T. And I was surprised. All the actors did. All the actors was pretty good. Because that's why they got more unheard of actors. You know, not these big time actors. So when the person look at the movie, you're not looking at the actor. You're just looking at the character. And the character was the movie. So they didn't want no, you know, have well-known actors. Then you'd be thinking about the actor playing different roles and all this stuff. But these actors did a great job. They did a great job. That's the Jason Lee's part. Great yeah. job. Jason Mitchell, he played a great, great role as Easy. Well, yeah, he he had a lot of tough scenes to do too, especially at the end. He nailed them. Yeah, I remember the hospital scene. I remember being at the that scene. And everybody was quiet, even the part when Neil. I didn't even get to talk to Neil because he was in character. He was didn't talk to nobody. And then when I seen it, you know, on the screen, 
Yeah, it was hard to go in there and shed a tear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though that didn't happen in real life. I didn't get to talk to him when he was in the bed, but it looked good on camera. Yeah. Hollywood probably made you do the scene a little differently, as you said before, the Hollywood, you, know, you had to make things more. Oh, yeah. You, you had to have, you had to have excitement and all this stuff and drama, whatever it is. That's, you know, that's just Hollywood. Oh, it, it caught a lot of people's, I remember in the theater, you could hear a pin drop in there when that scene came on and rest in peace to easy. But I did hear the story that when you went to the hospital, you didn't, you didn't talk to him because he was already in a induced coma. Oh yeah. That's why I said that the one in the scene, you know, I didn't get to talk to him. Like yeah. He was already under, Yeah, you know, so even when Dre talked to him, he was under, so. I think Dre came earlier, a couple of hours before me that day, than I came. And you were the only NWA member to go to his funeral. But the other reasons for them not being, the other members not being there is based probably off of their personal reasons. Maybe they, they couldn't handle going to see that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I just only can talk about me. And, you know, it was hard. It was different. Yeah, you know, it was like wow. I mean, more like a circus. You know, everybody wants to go to that. You know, it was just like a circus to me. It was like a circus. Too much going on, mm. and I was just like wow. Mm. But that was a, a difficult day. That was the day when I, after we put him in the ground, everybody was kind of gone, and they came in and put the dirt on top of it and patted it down, and I stood right near the grave I remember and told a couple of people this is it I'm done with music that was it I had no more interest in it yeah it's it's difficult it's totally understandable rest in peace as I said I said multiple times throughout this interview is one of the greatest he's he will never be forgotten you won't be forgotten no one at NWA will be forgotten and you know easy rest in peace do you have any upcoming work DJLA at all because I know you said that you're interested in listening to other genres of music. What genres are those? Because you're not into hip hop, you said you're listening to other kinds. I really classical, piano and cello. Hmm. I can when I drive, I can you know all instrumental. I just just relax or old school music. You know, eighties, seventies. That's mostly I, I listen to like the old school music or classical or something. Cool. And I have a, a you know a new book just out too, so called Straight Out of Compton, My Untold Story. I'll go get tells, that. I'm telling everyone yeah, in the audience, go my get whole that. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Tells my whole life. On Amazon, ebook and paperback, or if autograph copies is at djyellowofnwa.com. dot com. And it's, it tells the whole story. My story. Before the before the wrecking crew, doing the wrecking crew, doing NWA, doing the breakup, doing the E last year, everything up until 2020. Wow. How was your year last year throughout the pandemic? Um, I didn't do nothing but just stay away from people and, and, I, and I wrote the book. It took mm-hmm. me a year and a half to write it. You made that the time, use the time valuably. Write. Yeah. Yeah, because I usually would be on the road, you know, DJing around the world, but late 
at the end of 2019 was my last show in Singapore or Malaysia. And then in March of 2020, I was supposed to go to China. I had a tour set up in China. But that's when everything shut down. <sighs> Gladly, I didn't go to China. <laughs> yeah, thank God that you didn't. Now that the doors are opening back up with COVID cases going down, still wear the mask, make sure you get vaccinated. If you haven't, the people out there listening, are you going to be hitting the road for a tour here? Um, uh, Maybe. Some of the countries I can't go to. I'm not going to be quarantining for 10 days. Or <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Nah. 10 days? And only got two or three shows, four shows, whatever it is. Nah. I mean, I might do more book signings and Q&As and stuff like that inside the state. Because I'm normally out the state performing. So I I'm not in a rush yet. Yeah. Just got to promote the book. That's the main thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Book is available everywhere. You can get your, your books from online or in stores. And that's another thing. We talk about vinyl records. The bookstores are starting to go down, too. I've noticed that in the local areas in the tri-state. Bookstores are they're not as oh, yeah. you know prevalent as they used to be. I mean, because people could just order on Amazon. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> or that, Amazon too, yeah. people out of business. Oh. Well, the vinyl stores are coming back now. I mean, you know, not a major, but there's a few good vinyl stores now. Yeah. I have yeah, straight out of Compton on vinyl. Yeah, they sell it at $100. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? I have that on vinyl, and I have Easy Does It on vinyl. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's rare. <laughs> yeah, that is rare. <laughs> I still want to straight off the motherfucking street to Compton on vinyl. I'm looking for that one. That's gonna be rare too to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, DJ Yellow, is there anything else you would love to tell my audience here today? Um, stay positive. Mm. You know, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. You know, everybody be in a bad situation, but there's always a way out. You yeah. know, just keep your mind clean and keep it pushing. Yeah. Keep your mind clean. Keep keep doing what you're doing out there, people, to stay positive. DJ Yella, I want to thank you for coming on my show. Thank you for what you did for hip-hop. Thank you for giving us Timeless Records with Easy es production, whatever it is, JJ Fad, NWA, Straight Outta Compton, all that. I want to thank you for what you did for hip-hop. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, at any time. Anytime you want to come on the show, you're always welcome. And DJ L, I want you to, I just want to thank you again. It means a lot growing up an NWA fan and listening to all your production records throughout the years. I want you to enjoy the rest of your night. And, you know, if any, anytime you need anything from me, I have your contact and your email and stuff. And, you know, okay. anything you want to, another, if you want to do a part two, I'm, you're, you're always welcome on the show. Okay. All right. Thanks. No doubt, Yella. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. Okay. All right. Bye. Yeah. Bye bye.